God, thank you so much, Lord, for loving us the way you do. God, I thank you for good reports from the doctors. God, I pray you'd use those, Father. God, I, I, I pray the doctors would see that he, he's not a rare case. He's just a miracle in the hand of God, Lord. When you look at Tyrone, you look at all the answered prayers that we see, God, all the things that you've done for us. God, help us to remember to, to say thank you, God. May we never be like the nine. Father, I pray you'd help us to be the one that turns around and comes back and says, thank you for passing my way. Thank you, God, for reaching down and, and saving my soul, healing my sick, touching my need, even meeting our finances. God, I pray we'd never be the ones, God, that, that just go on like it didn't matter. Help us, Father. We just want to be pleasing to you. God, I ask you to bless this word tonight, Father, as it comes straight out of your book. I pray you'd give teaching to us, Lord. I ask you to teach our hearts something, Lord, that we might walk out more eager to serve you, that we might walk out refreshed, God, and ready. Lord, I pray you'd brighten the light that's within us tonight, that when we walk out into this dark world, we can shine brighter tomorrow. God, we love you so much. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we left off last week at verse number 4, so I'm going to pick up there reading verse number 4 tonight, and we're going down to 5 and 6. I'm not sure if we'll have time to get on down any further than that or not, but we'll see. Um, Verse number 4, we looked at last week briefly, "...in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ." Thank you. You can be seated. You know, we looked at that Sunday. We'll get to a little bit more in here in just a minute. But Paul dealt with the enemy of the gospel. He talked about the one who has blinded the eyes of the lost. In verse number five, he turns to the missionaries of the gospel. That's what you and I are supposed to be. If you're a saved, born again child of God, you are a missionary of the gospel. You may not be called to a foreign mission field. You may never be sent overseas. You may not be called to be a missionary to the United States. But you are a missionary to your home. You're a missionary to your community. You're a missionary to your surroundings and your neighborhood. You're a missionary on your job site. If you are a child of God, then we are to be missionaries. We are to be walking, talking, breathing examples of what God has done in us and what Christ can do through us. So Paul says that we we don't preach ourselves. He says we preach Christ Jesus the Lord. We preach our Savior. We preach our Redeemer, our salvation, the one that rescued us, the one that washed away all our sin. And what we have is not some creed that we're saved by. It's not some set of moral standards. It's not any type of works or acts or deeds that we do. The, the thing that saves us is a person. It's not just something that's out there. It's a person, and his name is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is that one name. It's that name that's above every name. It's the name that is the only means of salvation. It's the name that the devil fears and trembles. It's the name that the demons, the devils have to flee from. It's the name that can cure sickness. It is the name that you call on. It's the name that allows us to walk boldly into the throne room of God Almighty and talk to Him. It is the name of Jesus that we're supposed to be preaching. Amen? Throughout the Word of God, we, we have... Three enemies that the Bible teaches us about. We have the world, we have the flesh, and we have the devil. And we have somebody on our side against all three of them. Thank you, God. We have the world that is opposed by God the Father. And we have the flesh inside that is opposed by the Holy Spirit. 
And then we have the devil who is opposed by Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now notice there in verse number 4, we looked at it last week, that the God of this world, which is the devil, that is the enemy, has blinded the eyes of the unbeliever. He hopes to keep them blind. He wants to keep them blind so that they don't see the truth. The truth is Jesus Christ. And if they ever see the truth, it is Jesus Christ that would set them free. Anybody say amen. Jesus Christ will set you free. Anybody been set free? So Paul doesn't leave the reader in darkness here. He immediately goes to the reason, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So he immediately gives the gospel of Jesus Christ right on the back side of it. Jesus is the one who can dispel the darkness. Jesus is the one that can penetrate into the darkness and bring a light in that makes all the darkness flee. He is the only one who can bring the light into our soul. Amen. So we know the devil is cunning because the Bible tells us he is. All the way back in the beginning, we know that he's cunning. You know that the devil's powerful. If you don't know that, pay attention to what I'm about to tell you. The devil's powerful. If you didn't get that, hear what I'm telling you. The devil's powerful. You don't want none of him. You ain't got a chance. You, you're not even a speck. He could squash you with, a, with a, just the tap of his little fingernail. You don't want none of him. But he don't want none of Jesus. He's very cunning. He's very smart. Stay away from him. Don't try to talk with him. Don't try to negotiate with him. Don't try to bargain with him. Say, in Jesus' name, leave me alone. In Jesus' name, stay away from me. But in Jesus' name, we have power over him. The devil knows that he has no authority in the name of Jesus, and he hates that. It is his goal to keep people in darkness. He doesn't want them to know the freedom that comes in the name of Jesus. He doesn't want them to know what you and I know. He didn't want us to know it. Anybody know what a burden was lifted off you the day you got saved? Did anybody change? Anything got different? Anybody thankful right now for how happy you are knowing that Jesus Christ is your Savior? Anybody happy with the light that's in you? He, don't, he didn't want you knowing that, and he don't want them knowing that. And he's doing everything he can to try to keep them in the darkness because he does not want them to know the truth. The truth is Jesus, the Son of God, will set you free. Verse number 5, he says, we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. But then he goes on and says, ourselves, your servants for Jesus' sake. The word that he uses here for servants is a bond servant. A bond servant is, is nothing more than a slave. They have no rights of their own, no faults of their own, nothing that they do for themselves. Everything they do is at the beck and call of another. Everything in their life is designed to please another. He uses the word that is a bond servant. Paul uses this word in the letters that he writes here in the New Testament. He uses this word some 30 times to call himself a servant to the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says, I'm not here to make a name for myself. I'm not writing letters to make a name for myself. Everything that I do, everything in me is for the Lord Jesus Christ. It is his job to reach the lost with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and to disciple the saved that they might grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Guess what our duty is? The exact same thing as the Apostle Paul. It is to reach the lost and it is to disciple the saved that people might grow in the grace and knowledge. Now, if we just think, I realize you really can't comprehend it. We, we put the cross up. We do the Easter play. We, we see it. But in reality, you can't even begin to comprehend what Jesus really did for us. You can't really comprehend the pain. You can't begin to comprehend that level of suffering, that level of beating. 
knowing that at any moment he could have called and the Father would have sent 12 legions of angels, destroyed everything, and we might have never even existed. Or worse than that, we would have existed and ended up in hell. There's no way to really fully fathom what he did. But with everything in you, if you just take just a minute and try to think as much as you can about what he has done for us, it ought not be hard for us to want to be a bondservant to him, to try to do everything we can for him. Verse number 6, it takes us back to the beginning. Now, we didn't make it here last Wednesday, but you all know I used this Sunday morning. I was studying this Wednesday, and the Lord gave me something for Sunday, but I used this verse Sunday morning. For God commanded the light to shine out of darkness. If you remember, I said Sunday morning that the Apostle Paul takes us back to the beginning. He takes us back to the light, but then he takes us beyond the creation story, and he takes us to the redemption story. And that's some of what we looked at Sunday morning. But I want to I show you something from that that I really wouldn't probably get into on a Sunday morning. And sometimes I'm, I'm careful about things and, and even stuff from cults and different stuff, not teaching things. So I, never wanna, I don't want to give you anything that gets you astray but this isn't anything to get you astray it might put you another line of thinking because the truth is this may be something you've already heard anyway um the world loves to de debate the bible anybody say amen they don't really want to debate the bible they want to try to prove it wrong but you can't prove something wrong that has no faults but it doesn't stop them from trying because the devil has blinded their eyes so they only see the parts they want to see and they bring it in and but what they want to say is that there, there's things in, in the Word of God that are different. And one of them is really is, is more of a vision. Anybody ever heard of the gap theory? Raise your hand if you ever heard of the gap theory. Got a few people heard of the gap theory. Well, it, it says there, in the beginning, God created. So that means there's no doubt about where everything came from. In the beginning, God created. And then it goes on the heaven and the earth. So there's no doubt about where the heaven and the earth come from. And then it goes on to verse number two. But the world is always trying to look for some flaw. They're always looking for something. Verse number two says that the earth was without form and void and darkness upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. So here's the question they'll ask. So did God make something that was useless? Did God make something that was dark and void? Did, did God make something that had no light in it? Why would God make something that he had to fix? I'm just telling you. Foolish questions that people like to ask. There, there's those in the gap theory, um, and, and I will go ahead and tell you, I'm not one of those. I, I'm a literalist. I take the Word of God exactly the way it's written. I don't try to fill in the gaps. I don't try to figure out the things God hadn't told me. There are things in that book that God ain't told me, and I'm, just, I'm okay with that. I'm content with that. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The earth was... Without form and void and darkness upon the face of the deep, the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light. What was the light? I have no idea, nor do you. Amen. You have your own opinion, I have mine. I've done an awful lot of study, but what you cannot do is you cannot take the Word of God and prove what that light was. In verse 16, he made the sun and the moon. So what was that one? I don't know. I know what I believe it is from an awful lot of study based on the Hebrew word that's there. But there's just things that's simply there that God doesn't give us all the pieces. He gives us a puzzle and there's like little pieces out. And it's not our job to try to fill them in, but that doesn't stop people from trying. Amen. So I'm just telling you, I, I'm a literalist, literalist. God said, let there be light. And there was light. They say, well, there, there's, there's no way that God would have made it in darkness. God would have never made anything bad or used for bad or God could have never made anything that was less than perfect. God made a tree. Yeah. 
that he knew would become a cross, that he knew his own son would be on. Don't tell me you know the mind of God. Don't tell me you think you know what God's doing. If God said he made it dark, he made it dark. If God said he made it void, he made it void. And he made it that way for a purpose. But, but the ones that believe in the gap theory, to me, it's somewhat of an attempt to kind of meet evolutionists where they are, if you will. Because evolution says that the world is millions and millions of years old. Well, if you take a literal six-day creation story according to the Word of God, and I'm curious to see how this creation museum is going to buy into all this. I'm looking forward to going and seeing what all they're putting there. But based on that, the world is just a few thousand years old. So what the gap theory says is in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Period. That's where it stops. They say there's a gap between one and two. That, that, that gap can be several thousand years old. It can be hundreds of billions or trillions of years. But there's a gap. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Period. And, and there's all kinds of things that they use there. Uh, or Satan was cast out, and this is where Satan was, and that's why he's the Satan of the world now. And there was a great battle that took place here, and the light was knocked out. Well, I'm sorry, but you can't knock the light out because the light's God, and the light don't get put out. Amen. You can't turn off the light. You can't take out the light. When you're dealing with God, the devil couldn't have won. There couldn't have been a battle that was so bad that it left it dark because that would have meant that the devil won, would it not? But that's what they put in. They, they put all kinds of reasoning there, things that try to cause this darkness. But then on the back side of it, they say that they still believe in the six-day creation, that after that, that then God come in and made the light, and they try to pick up in the six-day creation. It's called a gap theory. I'm just telling you that because you'll hear it sooner or later. People like to discuss things of the Bible. One of the ones that the people trying to refute the Bible use, they'll say, well, why did God make it dark? Well, I guess because he wanted to. Why don't you ask him? Get saved. You can find out. I'll tell you this, I ain't coming back to tell you, but I'll send you a message and let you know. People, 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 I, I, I just need to stay right here. People try to put words in God's mouth. They, they, they try to decide, they try to read between the lines. So, so Paul says, in the beginning with creation, God said, let there be light, and there was light. The same thing that happened in the beginning with creation on a dark, void world is the same thing that happened in the hearts of men. We trusted Christ. God said, let there be light. And there was light. So, so Paul takes that story and he, and he puts it in. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts. To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Man was originally created in the light. Man was originally surrounded by light. I believe that. I, when they found themselves as naked, I think the light went off of them. I think when we come back clothed in white, the Bible says we'll be clothed in white. It, it's hard for me to imagine riding that many thousand miles on a horse and not getting dirty if I got on white clothes. Anybody ever rode a horse? You just get dirty just being around them. They're awesome, but you still get dirty being around them. I believe it's a light. That's the glory. It's like the glory of God. But man was in light at the beginning. He had a relationship with the light. He walked every morning in the coolness of the garden, the coolness of the day in the garden. He walked with the light. He had that relationship until sin tempted man. Man failed and darkness entered in. Jesus came to dispel the darkness. Just like the light of creation, the light of redemption 
is stronger than the darkness. You've heard me say it a lot of times. That's why I believe if you truly are saved, you'll act like you're saved. Light and dark can't live in the same house. Light and dark can't abide in the same vessel. It's either light or it's dark. There's no way that the two can mix. There's nothing there. When light's present, darkness has got to go. It can't be in the same. So if you're living a dark life in a dark way, well, I'd have to wonder about how much light is actually inside. So when the light shines in the human heart, it gives a complete defeat of darkness. Now, if you remember last week, we talked about Satan goes after the mind. The text said that Satan has blinded the mind, but God goes after the heart. Satan blinds the mind of a man. He, he tells his lies. He gives his confusion. He does everything he can to keep the mind in turmoil, to keep the mind upset, to keep the mind steered away from. He keeps people confused, and that's what keeps them in darkness. Can I tell you, it's almost impossible to debate someone to getting saved. I said it's almost impossible to debate someone to getting saved. If someone wants to debate with you, you probably just ought to pray over them and move on. You're never going to debate someone to Christ. They have their mind made up. Their mind is blinded by the enemy. And all they're wanting to prove is that you're wrong. They're certainly not going to admit that they're wrong. If they're trying to debate, they're always not at a point to agree that they are a sinner, that they need to be saved. You never think, think about the Apostle Paul. Do you think anyone could have ever debated the Apostle Paul to be saved? He knew who Christ was, didn't he? I said he knew who Christ was, didn't he? I don't go to sleep on my done. He knew who Christ was, didn't he? Christ is the one that he was persecuting people for. Do you think Stephen didn't debate? Do you think Stephen didn't offer some things about the Christ? Do you think Stephen didn't offer any information that the apostle Paul was blinded? Actually, he was Saul of Tarsus at the time. His mind was blinded. There was no debating. That's where people are today. They're so caught up in, they think their intelligence and their wit. They think they have this wisdom, but they don't. Wisdom is knowing what to do with the things that you know. They just think they know some stuff. And that's one of the problems today is people think they're so smart. Yes, sir. So they're not willing to accept reality. You simply can't teach their way in. Jesus came, he said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he, he, looking at the light, he says, who are you? He says, I'm Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecutest. The devil had blinded his mind, but Jesus spoke to his heart. Nobody, I don't believe, could have ever debated Saul to change. You're talking about Pharisee of Pharisees, a popular man in the community, one, one of the leaders. But Jesus touched the heart. It is the same God that shined the light in the darkness that commands the darkness to flee from any heart. The same Jesus that, that met Saul is the same Jesus that, that goes with you and I when we're trying to dispel somebody. Our job is not to debate. Our job is to show them the light, to try to tell them the truth. We got, yeah, I got a couple more minutes. Let's look at verse number seven. It says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. 
Did y'all read that? We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not in us. Here's something that is absolutely amazing to me. God chooses to take something so awesome, so amazing, and place it inside of us. He he takes the Holy Spirit, he takes his light and the awesomeness of his light, and he places it inside of this kind of vessel. Think about in Paul's day, vessels would have been a big deal. You could have bought them at any marketplace. They would have been the clay pots. They would have been for sale everywhere. They would have been different shapes, different sizes. You could have bought them for probably a penny or less, which would have been a lot then. But there was pots everywhere. The pots were very inexpensive. But they had a multitude of purposes. They were very inexpensive, but they were very necessary. Think about Gideon. Everybody know the story of Gideon? He's going to battle, and he's going up against more than 135,000 soldiers. We know there's at least 135,000. We know that. Um, Judges 8.10, I believe it is. That, but this is 135,000 soldiers. He's got less than 30,000. Right off the bat, God sends 20,000 of them home. Sends home some more and sends home some more. And here's Gideon. Left with 300 men. 300 men. Won't even fill the balcony. And he's going up against 135,000 trained soldiers. And God gives him a plan. You know the deal. The captain of the valley, the 300 men get around him, they have a trumpet. And they have a vessel, right? And what they have is a vessel with the light inside the vessel. Power wasn't in the vessel. Power was in the light. So all at the same time, they blow their trumpet, but then what do they do? They break the vessel. Power was in the light, not in the vessel. Sometimes the vessel's got to be broken. For people to see the light. Sometimes the vessel's got to have some cracks. It's got to be marred. It's got to be chipped. It's got to do some things that others might see the light. Sometimes, I've said it before, but it's true. Sometimes what you're going through really has not a lot to do with you. Sometimes you go through things that's solely for the benefit of somebody else. That they may see Christ in you. People will ask it, how in the world... They ask people going through stuff, how do you hold your head up like that going through what you're going through? How do you keep functioning? How, how do you go from day to day? How do you keep a smile on your face? Sometimes the vessel's got to be broken for other people to see the light. Isn't this something that God would take a bunch of old broken vessels like this and put such a valuable light inside of it? And this is the only vessel he uses to reach the lost. He has no other means to reach the lost but you. 
There's not another type. There's not another style. There's not a, another Messiah coming. There's not another Holy Spirit in the equation. There's not another book going to be written. God is the light. And the only way he reaches into the darkness is by putting the light into his children and sending that into the world that they might see the light in us. That's what Paul's trying to tell them. We're not out here preaching ourselves. We're nothing but a bunch of old broken vessels. We're just some old no good pots. What you need to see is in here. There's a light in here. And you can't see it because the devil has blinded your mind. But if you would stop looking with your mind and start listening for a minute with your heart, God has something to say to you. Maybe tonight is part of our prayer. Maybe that would be a really good thing for us to pray about. We've been praying, God, help us reach this community. Help us reach this hometown. And I've had a couple meetings and things, and I've said it this week, and it's just true. I really don't even know how to explain to you the things that I'm seeing. I just don't. I'm seeing little pieces coming from everywhere, different people that God are putting in places. But, but I feel like one day you're going to see it all come together, and we're going to see God do something mind-blowing in this town. I just see little pieces coming in from all directions. Maybe God would help us be stronger in our, in our effort to reach the lost, in our effort to break down walls. Maybe it would be a good time tonight as part of our prayer, God, help us break down the walls that stands between the church one of the things that bothers me that I still see is there are still some out there who have walls. It's, they don't partner with another church. That's a problem. We are all one church. We are all the body of Christ. And we must stand together as one if we're going to reach that community. And as long as there's division between the different buildings... It's going to make it that much harder to reach the lost. Yes, Lord. So that'd be a good thing to add to our prayer list tonight. God, help us break down walls that people might see the light in us. And while we're at it, we tell him, thank you for putting such an amazing light in such a pathetic bustle. Yes. Let's take a few minutes and pray tonight. Um, you, you certainly, the altar is always open um, and always a great place to pray. As many of you will come to the altar. You certainly can pray where you're at or wherever you need. You can come down and use one of these front rows if you need a place to sit. Um, you can sit here on any one of the front pews or um, even on the steps. But I do, um, do want to ask while we're praying. Everybody is praying in one accord. Is there anybody in here tonight that you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? You do not know that you know that if you died tonight, you'd go to heaven because you trusted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Right where you're at, you slip your hand up and say, I, I do not know that I'd go to heaven. I just don't want anybody to leave here without having had an opportunity to know Christ as a personal Lord and Savior. willing we'll pick up there next week as I was studying that today it, I really don't have
have time to, to go on into it, Paul begins to talk about some of the turmoil that goes on in, in life. He begins to talk about some of the trials and some of the tribulation right on the backside of talking about the light. It's crazy how sometimes you just see something you've never seen it quite like that before. That God took something as awesome as the Holy Spirit of God. His own light place it inside something as simple as me something that once walked in darkness lived in darkness was everything in darkness God placed the light inside thank you for the light of the gospel. God, I thank you for a word that penetrates into the darkness and makes it flee. God, I thank you that in dark storms and dark troubles and dark times, dark trials, that I can go to this book. Lord, and it brings light into the darkness. God, thank you for giving us this book. God, thank you for this word. 
Lord, we thank you for the precious blood of Jesus Christ. It cleanses away sins. It pulls us out of the darkness. I thank you for the sweet Holy Spirit that brings light into our souls. God, I pray you'd help us to walk out of this place that our light would be brighter, God. I pray you'd help us, Father. I pray you'd make the light so bright in us that we would glow like a lantern, God. I pray that the light would penetrate through us that people might see the light. God, I pray that our light would be so real and so warm and so inviting that the world wants to know what is it that you have. That they might want it, God. I pray you'd help us to live it, Father. I pray you'd help us that people see Christ in us and Christ through us. Lord, we love you. You've been so good to us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you've got young'uns, they're down there and they're wet. <laughs>